Sister, sister, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Hello, this is Tammy. And this is Angelie. And we are the podcast with sisters. sisters. Yes. <laughs> All right. So today we're actually going to be talking to our mother, Marty, who has uh, had very bad scoliosis when she was younger and is fused. So I'm going to start off with mom. If you would like to introduce yourself, that would be wonderful. Hi, I'm Marty Miller. And um, I am uh, 77, and I had scoliosis diagnosed at age 13, or maybe later 12. Okay, perfect. So you told us you were diagnosed at late 12, early 13. So I'm curious as to how it was that you were diagnosed, because this is something that was in the 1950s so there was not enough a lot known about scoliosis like there is today so how is it that you were diagnosed with scoliosis well um i kept hearing from my mom uh martha Kay, you're not standing up straight and when i looked in the mirror i saw that one side of my waist looked like it was dipping in and at that age i just thought i was forming a waist so um but i did hear you know from several people that you're not standing up straight so that was the beginning and then going to the doctor for i believe it was a cold or something and the doctor said uh, we have a problem here that's more serious than the cold and she has severe scoliosis so at that point it was the summer of 57 and i was put um, on exercises and it was laying on a kitchen table and raising my legs uh, up and down the whole entire summer. And by fall, they said it was increasing. Uh, the scoliosis was increasing. And um, I had a, um, a, a bigger scoliosis. I had a 30, 60 uh, scoliosis curve. Lumbar was 30. Uh, and then your thoracic was 60? Yes. Correct. Okay. So that's giving us the angles of the curve in your lumbar and your thoracic, which 60 degrees is, is quite, significant. Yeah, yeah. Quite, quite significant. Um, other, than, other than them telling you that this is what you had, were there any physical symptoms or ailments that you found besides seeing your hip dip in and thinking you were just developing a waist? No. Was there anything you no. noticed? Other than sometimes I'd feel like my skirt was crooked when I put it on, a little bit okay. crooked. And I know you were very active as a child. You yes, swam I in was. the lake a lot and you played sports, so yeah. you probably- I was a high jumper, played basketball. Yes. All right. So because you were such an active child, what was your experience just as you were be, being diagnosed and then right after the diagnosis. So the first series of appointments when they were giving you the exercises and you tried these exercises, which I assume were probably Shroff at that time, Shroff method. What were, was your experience at that time? 
before you knew you had to have surgery, but... I really didn't think too much about it. I just would do my exercises and want to get out and play with my friends. <laughs> this was <laughs> the summer, fair. so, That's you fair. know, that was... Yeah. That was, I, I just wasn't, I didn't think much about it, really. Yeah. You were a 12-year-old girl. You just wanted yeah. to be outside being playing and playing basketball and all the yeah. things that you were used to doing. Yeah. And uh, out in the, uh, playing baseball with the boys out in the uh, big field we had behind us. So then it started to get a little more serious, and you realized once they said it's a 30-degree lumbar, 60-degree thoracic, we're going to have to do something a little bit more extreme. No, it was 30 degrees thoracic, 60 degrees lumbar. Okay, that's what that's why I wanted to say that because I do think it was heavier on your lumbar. Yes, correct. Yeah, absolutely. So when you have that amount of a, a curve, and all of a sudden, in your mind, as a 12-year-old girl, you were fine day one, and now day two after the diagnosis, you are. Completely different child. What was your experience like with how did your friends relate to you? How did your parents relate to you? How did your siblings relate differently once you were diagnosed? I don't remember that there was any difference. The only thing I can remember is being taken to Grand Rapids, uh, which was about an hour from our home in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and seeing a specialist and waiting hours for the specialist and going back home and not knowing when I was taken back again that I was going to be staying. That was very traumatic for me. I went in just thinking I was going to have an exam and I ended up staying. They said you can no longer go to the bathroom. You have to be on a bedpan and I that was a very bad experience for me. It took me hours and hours to be able to pee and on a bedpan. Yeah, so let's let's stay with that story because I think this is a really, it is a really traumatic thing for so many families and we want those that are listening to understand that this is kind of out of the norm, right? Yes. yes. So when you were going normally for exams, this day in particular, your parents must have known that you were staying for surgery but they hadn't told you. So you thought you were going in for an exam, but you actually stayed, and they were going to do a spinal fusion at that point. Right, but, but it was a specialist that I went in. I believe I went in in about August, and so I was about, I turned 13 in December. I believe I went in in August, and I think um, the first surgery was around October, and it was the lumbar, and it was extremely long, and I was in um, ICU, for many days, and um, I had several people come in next to me, and one uh, just they pulled out within hours because he passed away, and I just I remember that vividly. But yes, it was very scary to be in there at first. But I was in a room with um, it was a pre-op uh, place, and then after the operation, you came back and waited for your next surgery, or waited for you know it was like a it was cut, called Mary Freebed, so it was just a place where um, young people went uh, and recovered. So um, the first surgery was very scary. I think I almost died in that surgery. I remember waking up and then they gave me ether, which I hated. That was a long time ago. They don't use that anymore. But that, was, that part was traumatic. 
So um, let me just stay with the storyline just so that everybody can understand. So October 1957, you went thinking you were having a normal exam. Your parents left you at the surgery center. You had the first surgery on the lumbar spine, which was a spinal fusion, and we'll get into the details of that. But then you had to go to the rehab side, the clinic to rehab. No, I actually, I, I let's back up. Yeah. I went to the rehab center first and was put into a Milwaukee brace. Okay. And I was in the Milwaukee brace for approximately, probably a good month, maybe two. I think it was about August, so it had been about September, October, I had the first surgery. I don't have the materials with me right now, but um, uh, so what the, the hope was is it would pull my back as straight as it could by wearing the Milwaukee brace, and as soon as I could talk a lot, um, I would have the brace, they would come in and raise up the brace. So um, it was a process of trying to stretch me as you know, much as they could to straighten out the spine naturally before they did the surgery. And let me pause there and just talk about what the Milwaukee brace is because it's actually not used very much anymore. No. Or if at all. It's the original cervicothoracic lumbar sacral or thosis brace. So it was invented in the 40s and it's actually a really bulky brace. Do you remember that being very bulky? Yes, and it comes up under your chin and there's a rod down the front and that's how they raise it yeah and they said it, it really was not as useful so they don't use it anymore it's very rare that they use it now no no i didn't was not aware of that so sometimes they use it for a very high thoracic or cervical spine but they don't use it for the lumbar curves anymore because of the neck bracing they still try to use it with high curves but they're not using it very often now that's interesting so how did it feel being in the brace? Did you know you were going to have surgery when they put the Milwaukee brace on in August? Yes, then okay. was explained I was going to have surgery. So, um, well, I was in with a lot of other individuals that had other disabilities and surgeries upcoming. I think there were three of us that were going to have back surgery. Um, and this was in Grand Rapids and there was, that was the best specialist in the state. And um, so there were, but there were several different maladies going on within the um, rooms that it was one large room and probably 15 uh, people in there on beds so I just tried to keep my sense of humor my, my aunt and uncle bought me a radio and I play all the songs and um, just uh, tried to make this one particular girl laugh because she was in a wheelchair and not doing well but I used to make her laugh and that was my entertainment time, I guess. So this room of 15 people that you were making laugh, which is really important, humor will get us through everything. This is when you were still in the Milwaukee brace prior Correct. to, so you stayed for a month with these 15 other patients while they had the Milwaukee brace on back in August of 1957. Yes, but they did not have Milwaukee braces. They had all different, Got different. It. Uh, it's a different diagnosis. But you Can I talk about when they uh, tried to make the brace for me, what happened? You can talk about whatever you want. Okay, well, I was, uh, I was young. I, I must have been 13 because I had my first period. So I think I was 13, not 12. Um, and I had my first period and was very embarrassed about it because they stripped me down. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, they kind of hung your arms up so that they could make the Milwaukee brace to fit your body. But that, I, I can remember that because I passed out from being so nervous. And I remember them putting salt under whatever they used to uh, bring me back. So that, that, that I remember because that's a trauma I have not forgotten. And that was just with the brace. That was, that was being, prior to surgery, right, that prior was, to having a body cast on, which is coming in your story, I know. Correct. Okay. So that month, they were trying to forego surgery. So you've done your exercises that they gave you at home. That didn't work. So in August, they bring you in for a month to stay in a rehab center to wear the brace. The Milwaukee brace, the purpose, was to see if they could straighten your curve to avoid surgery or to straighten it as much as they could before they were giving you surgery. Yes, well, it was to straighten it as much as they could so that when they did the surgery, they okay. would have me as straight as I could be. Got it, so at that point you already knew surgery was inevitable. Yes. Okay, so when you arrived at the rehab center in August, did you get to go back home before you had the surgery? No. Okay, so this is August, so then that takes us into September. So then tell us the process of what happened when you went in for surgery. Um, well, that would have been, I believe, October. So it took a couple, I was there for a couple months, August to September, October, and um, they, uh, I mean, really, we did nothing. It was just laying in bed and being stretched, and then I think they did x-rays every now and then. And uh, when they felt it was time to do surgery, then they did the lumbar surgery first, which was um, uh, L1 to, um, or L L1 to um, L5, and that was the worst surgery. Uh, yes, that was your 60-degree curve. Yes, that was my, bad curve and it was a very long surgery and I was in ICU for a long time. And a doctor came and sat on the bed, I, I remember this too, and I, apparently he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that. And I screamed and passed out, so he, he didn't come in the room again. <laughs> <laughs> He was taken off your case. Yeah. Yes, he well, was. I'm, I'm interested, Mom. A lot of people have heard of a Harrington rod that was developed later. And they didn't have that when you had your surgery. So, w what did they actually do in both surgeries? But you know, with this first one where they're fusing L1 to L5, they place cadaver bone chips along the spine. And I have something in the base of my spine, it's always been called a, um, a non ferrous um, artifact. Uh, non-metallic artifact in the base mm -hmm. of my spine and they just found out recently because I have some spine problems I'm 77 so now I have spine problems at the base uh, which are causing leg problems but I they found this and they he thinks it's a metal piece that may have broken off during surgery and they did not remove it for whatever reason it's never given me any problem but it's always been called a non-ferrous metallic or non-ferrous metallic artifact. Right, which is good that it's non-ferrous because yeah. that's iron. So, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So cadaver bone chips, very interesting. 
And they hope that they'll go to your spine, but it takes a very long time. So, so now we've had the first surgery on the lumbar spine, L1 to L5. You still have the 30-degree thoracic. We're in October 57 at this point. When did they do the second surgery? I think it was maybe right after my birthday in December. Okay. And so it was about two months, and I had, um, uh, they did the thoracic surgery, which was a much easier surgery, and that's like T2 mm -hmm. to the L5 where they started. So it's truly a full not spinal L1, not L5. I'm sorry, T2 to L1. Right. So if we're talking through this, the spinal column, T2 is almost to the cervical, to your neck. Right. All the way down to the base of your your spine just before your tailbone. So it is truly a full spinal fusion. They call it full yeah. spinal right? Yeah. And what happened after they had finished the second surgery of the thoracic spine? Then what was the process? Uh, well, I was then put, uh, I think I was at a brace for a while and then they uh, made a body cast and the cast came up my chin and pushed under my chin and the only opening was about a six inch circle around my uh, belly button. And the rest was front and back. And I had to be turned, a couple of people would turn me on a wedge pillow so that I wasn't flat on my face. So I had a pillow under my chin. And so now we've been basically hospitalized from August through December. No, to the very end of December. So. That surgery may have been November. I don't okay. have the paperwork, but it was like, like two months from the first one. Okay, so now we're in the final stage of the surgical process where they put you in a body cast in December 1957. 58, I think it was. I, I, I so now we're going into the next year and you're still in the hospital. Uh, yes, but I think I was, they took me home before Christmas in an ambulance, so it was an hour and a half in an ambulance, and they placed me on a bed that was given by some organization that helps kids, Shriners or something like that. And um, so I had a bed that was an orthopedic type bed that had sides and everything. And um, my parents had a special room for me to be in. So then you at least got to go home in January and now you're in a body cast for how long after that? Uh, I think it was until the next June. Okay. Uh, June or July, maybe longer than that. And then I was put in a uh, another brace, but it didn't come all the way up. It just pulled around and um, it was tight, but it pulled around and tight in the front. And okay. I think they still use that type So of that's brace. a Boston brace. Boston brace. Right, so. yeah, yeah. The Wilmington braces is a brace that ties together as well. Um, so your brace opened in the front? Yes. Okay, so that's a Wilmington brace. The Boston brace opens in the back. Yeah, so it sounds like they put you in a Wilmington brace to... But the difficulty when I had to learn how to walk uh, was they'd stand me up. This was at my house. and. When I finally could get out of bed, um, I could not walk. Or, you know, I mean, it, it was like learning to walk again. Well, before they put you in the brace, they had to get you out of the body cast. 
Right. So, and I, this has always intrigued me, and I've always held on to this story because I'm also, as your daughter, diagnosed with scoliosis, which we'll talk about another time. But I was always intrigued by the story of when they took your body cast off because you had it from December until... I think it was July or August. I think it was about eight months. Until July or August. So that's a long time to have a physical compression brace, not a brace, but a cast all over your body. Yes. Laying down for that amount of time from December to July of the next year. What was it like when they took the brace off? Um, It wasn't good. I had like uh, a quarter of an inch of dead skin. I had breasts, which I didn't have when I went in. Surprise! And <laughs> Adolescence. And, um, I, again, I, they had uh, um, to bring me back because I, I kept passing out. But I, I just remember that there was a stripe, the skin all over me, and I actually felt like they ripped off my whole body. Because after being limited for that long, that is something that is your body. And when it's pulled off, you feel like you can't breathe or, you know, that they just <clears throat> torn your body apart. So it was a very odd sensation. I do remember that very well. Yes. I cannot imagine having yeah. that. Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Things are different these days. It's really feeling like your skin is being Yeah, that's off. the way it felt. Like I, they were just pulling off my whole outside of my body. And then you've also been horizontal from right. December until July. Right. So now you're upright. What's the process after that? Once they've taken the body cast off, you're supposed to now. They had to pull my put things in my arms, and I can't remember about my feet, but they had to hold me up because I hadn't been standing, which did make me, you know, faint. But um, what was the process after that? Yeah. So how did you learn how to move again? Well, I think I went home in another type of uh, body brace, that the one that tied in the front, and. Um, that was much more uh, freeing, and I was able to get out of bed, and my parents helped me walk. So I didn't start doing any much activity. And as far as education goes, I, I had another company buy me a thing that sits next to your bed. This is how far we've come technologically. Uh, a box that sat next to my bed that hooks me up to my eighth grade class but I really couldn't do much. And I had prism glasses, which were also donated. And that way, I, uh, one of my friend's fathers made me a, um, a thing that went over my chest and over my brace. And I could look in the prism glasses and then I could write and paint. I did a lot of painting. And I could uh, do things like that while I was flat on my back for those eight, nine months. And so, you could hear your classmates over I could hear box. them and they could, if I pushed a button, they could hear me, but it was not like um, going to school because I really couldn't do too much. So basically I skipped the eighth grade. And how did that feel on the emotional side of being, eighth grade is such a weird time anyway because <laughs> everybody is weird <laughs> at that time, right? Yeah, not so now real- you feel like you've been completely isolated and yet you can hear your classmates in the classroom that well, you should be in. Well, friends came to visit me, but it was it was a little bit embarrassing. I mean, you're in a body cast. You, I was very active before. You looked totally different. 
and there was one kid that used to um, pinch me and beat up on me, and he wanted to come and visit, and I almost had hysterics, so he did not was not allowed to come. <laughs> All the rest of my friends would come. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you had friends that came that and didn't pinch you. And the would come every once in a while and talk to me, so yeah. you know I had that, but. I got very interested in art at that point, so. Yeah, and the thing that your friend's father built for you, so basically it was like a table that just went around your brace. It was a table brace. with the back on it, yeah. With the back so, on it, so that you so could, right. So um, I, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, but it had a, a place where I could write and draw and, and a, a clip, so it held my paper. Kind, kind of like an easel, sort Yeah, of. an easel, that's exactly what it was. I yeah. just couldn't find the word, easel. Well, and I know you painted as well, which Angelie's got a picture that you painted of Jesus. of Jesus when you were 14 years old, flat on your back, and you, you painted this picture with this table, this easel, these prism glasses. And I mean, if that's how you started your art, that's actually really, really well, wonderful because you're a art. great artist. And, and even as a kindergarten, I liked art, but yeah, that I, I mean, I started doing painting and stuff kept up the art which i still do you still do no, you're still artist. an amazing amazing artist you do different types of art but yeah you, you so still emotionally are. it was um it was it was tough but i got right back on bikes when i could and uh joined my friends and i don't feel like i was treated any differently at that point nice i had That's boyfriends great. you know when i was 15 16 and um the only thing was I was very, very straight. I walked straight, very skinny. But there were some physical restrictions placed on you. Oh, absolutely. By the doctors and your family, yes. right, and your parents. So what was that like to have gone in as a very active young woman, go through this process, go through adolescence and puberty, have breasts when you come out, going in with none, coming out with some extra <laughs> Baggage. <laughs> so well, I was pretty skinny. So that, yeah. But then, in addition to missing school for a year and having to listen to your classmates in the classroom, having their normal lives, and you're laying in bed, now you have these physical restrictions. What was that like? And what was placed on you? Mm, I didn't really. I don't think I really thought much about it once I was out of the brace. I just felt freedom, and I started, you know, doing things with my friends and riding bikes. But I was restricted, like I made a big mistake at about age 15 when some boys came by in a boat at, at the lake and um, wanted me to go um, skiing, which I always wanted to do. And my dad wondered where I was and came and found me. And I didn't quite make make it onto the skis. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa put a kibosh on that yeah. one, huh? <laughs> Which is, which is good. Other than that, I think I had a pretty normal teenage years. Nice. And then you it's, had... Oh, wait, but it wasn't really normal because I had to go to all-girls Catholic school my ninth grade because I had a body cast, you know, um, that only could be worn half a day. They, they trimmed it from a day to a half grace. a day. The new right. grace, yeah. So I would take it off at, you know, afternoon and put it in my locker. So they sent me to an all-girls Catholic school to kind of bring me up to where I should be, missing eighth grade, and also so I wouldn't have the embarrassment of putting a brace off and putting it in a locker with boys around. Yes, which stuff. I totally understand because that, that was too good, had to do that. Yes, that was a big. Yeah. That was a good thing. Yes. 
So then in your young adult life, you were told that you could never have children, which we know for a fact you is have false. because we're sitting here. <laughs> So, and there's a boy in here too. That's say you've had three of them. Yes. Tell us about that moment when the doctors told you this is what you can't do. You well, cannot have children. I was ever. just always told that there was so much restriction at the base of my back that carrying a child and having a child would be way too hard on my body, and I was very thin. But after I got married, when we were in college. Um, my husband and I got married, and which we've been married 56 years now, and um, we wanted a baby. We were both working. I was teaching severely handicapped children, which in that time they called retarded. Um, and they didn't call them Down syndrome, they called them mongoloids. And um, your Asperger's, they called idiots savants. So there was a lot of things, but I loved working with them, and what I did was occupational therapy type stuff to help them get whatever they could out of their day by doing something different and you know. And you feel like your experience going through this at such a young age and so much so quickly gave you the empathy that you needed to be able to right. help and these children. Right, and it gave me a good drive. sense of humor. I mean, I got so that I would do funny things just to make people laugh, so. You still do. <laughs> and then they told you you couldn't have children, and here you are. And with three yes. kids. Well, I just thought, you know, I, there wouldn't be any trouble in trying, and it took four years, but I think I was born at the time your dad was supposed to go to uh, Vietnam, and I would, he got orders to go to Vietnam, and I couldn't go, or he couldn't go because I was seven months pregnant. And the doctor said, absolutely not. She's very high risk. And I couldn't gain much weight. I only gained like 10 pounds with Tammy. And, um, uh, but I, the delivery, the, the specialist delivered the baby. The only thing is no shots in the back. So there was no, um, you know, all just pain. But what I did learn with my first child is that I dilated from two to 10. I, I get to two. So the whole the all natural thing came like a shot out of a cannon. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> well, and that and that might have been your body's way of we can't put too much pressure on the right. back. There was no, Let's get this done. Yes. No anesthetics. No. Yes. So yeah, but it all worked out. We had three children. Yes, we did. So what would you tell a young woman, because that's what we're focusing on right now with, with you as a young woman, what would you tell a young woman or a young man who is just being diagnosed at that age, at that adolescent weird era in their life? What are two gems you can give them as far as understanding what you went through and how you can help them? Well, you're going to have a much shorter recovery and I'll get you up walking soon and do it. Do not delay when you have a severe scoliosis or even scoliosis that they feel like they can fix, do not delay in having it because once it gets to a point where you are already crippled, you'll have lung problems and other things. Just keep a good sense of humor, keep your mind busy, and go for it. Good, yeah. And I know there's so many more options than surgery because I work with daily clients who have the option now to work with me for Pilates Absolutely. and, and you can get therapy. It. 
Yep, if you so get it corrected that way, yeah. that's the way you should do it. Absolutely. I have one client with a full spinal fusion as well who wished she'd had options. Yes. So, But mine was too far. Once yeah. it's too far, if you catch it early, then you have options. If you don't catch it early, you don't have options. Yeah. And I think it's something that they look for more now. I remember getting... Um, at school, they would check us in elementary school. Yes, and I would throw in scoliosis. help with that. Yeah. Help with that so I think that that's something that's that's changed a lot, yeah. you know, over the last 60, 70 years is now they understand that this is a physical change that does happen to some people. Yes. Around that age, around 12, 13, 14. Right, and so they can come in and they actually look for it now, whereas when you were diagnosed it wasn't something that was looked for and you I think were probably incredibly lucky going in for a cold and having a physician that noticed that when it was something so unusual yes for, and I always for that say that my mom you you are my guardian angel because oh, you found my scoliosis at about at age five or six such a when young you, age you were yes. bending over a bathtub so people that have young children um, especially females males also have scoliosis but it's more prevalent with females to have them bend every once in a while to check for scoliosis and I helped at the schools at seventh grade which is the most common time to see it starting um, Angelis, my daughter it was much younger than that so but I truly believe had you not found it when I was that young that they I would have absolutely gone through the same thing that you did and I know they wanted to fuse my spine my lumbar spine when I was 12 and you said no and no. that's when my path changed and we found Pilates and now I've never had surgery to this day as ballet and I had a full ballet career as a professional ballet dancer and I attribute that to you finding my scoliosis at that young young age prior to ever being close to adolescence I was diagnosed so young and we tracked it so closely that I was able to actually use physical movement to to what I would say cure it's not cured but to be to able to not have right the option of only having surgery right we, we had other options it. we were able to keep it at about where it was yes so, so thank you i think well you you're that. very welcome and i love you and you've been very active and i'm telling you activity is the thing that you don't just lay around and worry about it you have to get out and do things yeah, yeah. well we love you mama we yes, appreciate you being here today with us for our podcast with sisters well thank you edition with our mama and yes. parents out there check your children uh, because a lot of times that's missed doctors don't look always look for scoliosis so although it is more common nowadays than it was in the past so happy living happy living <laughs> happy living everyone <laughs> thank you so much thanks mama <laughs>